Well, it's a bit like we've already heard in Al's kids' talk this morning. The first step to fixing something is knowing what the real problem is. Like when Jill and I first moved to Dubbo and we were renting a house down in Barracks Close, which is a pretty nice part of Dubbo, everyone in our street had perfect front lawns, except for us. Now, our lawn wasn't a complete disaster, okay? I tried to mow it regularly and I tried to water it, but right out in the corner on the council strip, we had this big area of grass that always looked bad. It was always brown and it just kept dying. I tried the weed and feed on it, tried top dressing it, fertiliser, watering it lots. It didn't seem to matter what I did, it just kept on dying. So eventually I gave up and we decided that we'd plant a tree there. So I started digging the hole to plant this tree and just below the surface I hit a road. Okay, I kid you not, there was actually a road about that far under the dirt of our front lawn. Apparently there used to be an officer's mess hall or something across the road from our house and this road was part of the driveway. And rather than ripping it up, someone had decided to throw a bit of dirt on top and plant some grass on it. No wonder we couldn't get our lawn to grow. It was growing in about that much dirt. Could have watered it, could have fertilised it all we wanted, it wouldn't have made a difference. So we got a crowbar, we ripped up all the road base and everything and it fixed the problem. The first step to fixing something is knowing what the real problem is. There was a problem underneath that we couldn't see. I wonder if you've thought about what the real problem with our world is. As we look out across the brokenness of this world, and it's pretty obviously broken, isn't it? I mean, you just have to turn the news on. But as we look out at the brokenness of this world, if we could look underneath the surface, if we could dig down and find the root of the problem with this world, what would it be? Last week we started in the book of Romans, and if you were here last week, you might remember we were thinking about a message from God, good news, the gospel, the message about Jesus that saves people. But what is it saving people from? What is the problem with this world that people need rescuing from? Well, that's what the second half of Romans 1 and next week Romans 2 is all about. So let's pick it up. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. The problem there with this world is that it has ignored God. And because of that, God is angry. Look at verse 18 again. The wrath of God, wrath is just another word for anger, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. Notice that word in verse 18, suppress. Suppress means to, you know, to hold something back or to push it under. People know there's a God, but they choose to suppress 
what God has made clear to them. They choose to hold it back and ignore the truth about God and then live as if there is no God. And what's clear from these verses is this this isn't some accident. It's not as if we can somehow just get through life and not notice that God is there. You know, like when you're driving the car, I do this so often, and I just don't notice the turn-off. I'm just in a daydream. This is not that. This is a deliberately, deliberately ignoring something that is right there before their eyes. People suppress the truth. It's not that people are ignorant about God. It's not that people can't know about God. No, it's worse than that. People know about God and they deliberately ignore God. Look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Romans are saying, look around the world and it is clear to everyone that there's a God. Now, you can't work everything there is to know about God just by looking around the world, but Romans says we can know his eternal power and his divine nature. In other words, we can know that there is a God. That's plain. That's what verse 19 is talking about. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Now, I think that's really helpful as we try to talk to people about Jesus. Do you remember last week? We were thinking about how God wants everyone to hear the good news about Jesus. Now, you might have people that you're trying to talk to about Jesus or ask them about God, and they will say something like, I don't believe there is a God. I don't want to hear about God. Romans is saying... Deep down, people know there's a God, and we can appeal to that. It doesn't matter whether you're a five-year-old looking at their first rainbow, a microbiologist studying bacteria, a scientist researching evolution, an astronomer looking out into the stars. Romans is saying everyone knows something of God because of what he's made. Now, maybe you're not a Christian, but you've had a moment like that in your life where because of what you see in the world, you ask the question about God. You know, where did this all come from? Maybe there is a God. Well, at that point, you've really got two two options. You can act on it. You could even pray, God, if you're there, I want to get to know you. You could decide, I want to get to know this God who made the world. Or you can suppress the truth. No, that's stupid. There can't be a God. And then you push it down and you ignore it until you don't even ask the question anymore. You push it down until you've convinced yourself there is no God because you don't want there to be a God in charge of your life. And Romans says, if you have done that, you are without excuse. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. 
Now, we're going to think a lot more about that next week, excuses. But wherever your ideas come from about God, whatever fancy ideas you might dream up about where the world came from, if in your thinking you have come to the conclusion that there's no God, that's because you've suppressed the truth about God. We don't ignore God because of lack of evidence. Even Adam and Eve, who saw God face to face, ignored him. People do it because they don't, they don't, want, they don't want there to be a God. They don't want someone else telling them how to live, so they deliberately suppress the truth. And Romans is telling us here that that is the root, the very bottom of the problem with this world. We reject God. And having done that, after we have taken that first step, other things follow on. Saying no to God is like the first domino that sets off a chain reaction. Step two is that having ignored God... People then replace God with other things. That's what verse 22 is about. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. See, travel around the world... And in every culture, you will see statues of false gods. Idols carved from wood or stone, gold Buddhas, little shrines with carvings and candles. That's what the Bible calls idolatry. You're making up your own God. And Romans is telling us here, the reason people do that is because every human being was designed to worship God. We were designed to be in a relationship with God. We were created to live for someone outside of ourselves. And when someone rejects God, it's as if they can't function not having a God, so they will fill that God-shaped hole with something else. They'll make something else their God. They'll find something else to live for. They will desperately cling to something else to fulfill them. They'll throw them into some other God to find their meaning and purpose in. Dogs were made to chew bones. They love chewing bones. Have you noticed you take away a dog's bone and it will chew anything? Slippers, boots, newspaper, a toy doll, a piece of plastic. Humans were made to worship God. Take away God and people will worship anything. Money, sport, career, family, Fishing, footy, happiness, your kids, your marriage. When we reject God, we look for our God, we look for our fulfilment in something else. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Now, it's not that those things are wrong in and of themselves, is it? In fact, these things were created by God, these created things. Sex and food and nice sunsets, they are good things made by God, given to us to enjoy. But when people ignore God, and then they have the hide to replace him with the things that he has made for them, 
It does not get any worse than that. That's why God is angry. Now, God could stop people. God could step in and restrain people. But he doesn't. He doesn't treat us like puppets or robots. He doesn't force us. He gives us over to life without him. And that's the way God pours out his anger on this world. He lets people do the very things they want to do. He hands people over to their false gods. And so three times now in these last few verses of Romans, have a look, verse 24, how it starts, verse 26 and verse 28, they all start with the same words, God gave them over. Three times. What we get in these last few verses of Romans is a description of what this world that we live in now looks like when people on this planet do what they want. Now, it was written 2,000 years ago, but it is exactly describing life now in 2019. Have a look, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. 27, in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. So that's exactly what verse 32 is about, okay? Everything that I've just spoken about, look at verse 32. Not only do they continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Do you see the progression? Firstly, people reject God. Then they replace God with something else. In this case, sex or pleasure becomes their God. That is the most important thing. That's where they get their identity. That's where they get their worth. And then God hands people over to that. And not just do they live like that, they then approve of it, say that it's right, and celebrate it. And the very fact that all that happens, Romans 1.18 says, is evidence of God's anger, God's judgment on this world, that he lets it happen. But this passage is not just pointing the finger at one particular sin, no. It's describing everyone. Everyone on the planet. Look at verse 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. 
Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. See, all those things, when people disobey their parents, when people gossip about other people, when people think of ways to get other people back and invent ways of doing evil, that is just part of God's judgment on this world. It's the natural consequence of us ignoring God and God hands us over to it. And that is exactly what our world is like. And if you're thinking, hang on, isn't that a bit over the top? No, this is exactly the world that we live in. Just got to turn on the news. We live in a world where last year there were over 68 million refugees who have fled their homes because of war, violence or persecution. Okay, that's not including famine or drought. 68 million because of war, violence or persecution. We live in a world where it is estimated that by 2020, there'll be one suicide every 20 seconds. Imagine that. 60 people committing suicide during this Bible talk. We live in a world where the annual revenue for human trafficking for sex slaves is $99 billion a year. We live in a country where the Department of Family Services receives 350,000 reports of child abuse every year. We live in a city where one in three children have their parents separated. And Romans is telling us all these things, all these broken things about our world, they're just the symptoms. And as sick as it makes you and as sad as it makes you feel, there is actually a far deeper problem, which means that these things will never be fixed by us. See, these things are all the result of this world's rejection of God. Remember the story of my lawn? The problem was underneath the ground. The symptoms were what you could see, the dead grass. The problem with our world is that we have rejected God. And the symptoms are what you see on the news every day. And if we want to fix the world, it won't work just playing around with the symptoms. We need to go all the way back to people's relationship with God. Now, sure, we, we can work over here. We can try and fix some of the symptoms. We can try and give people counselling to help them with their gambling problem. We can try and uh, give people aid. We can educate people. And, of course, we'll do that because we love people and we want to help them in this broken world. But in the end, we are just dealing with the symptoms. And we will deal with one symptom, and another symptom will stick up its head. And Paul, in the book of Romans, wants to give us a message that has the power to change the heart of the problem. When God comes into the world to help us, he's not just doing a patch-up job. He's not just sprinkling around some fertiliser and water to make things look pretty on the surface. 
God does what we can't do. He goes right back to the root cause of the problem, which is the way that we have treated him. And we're going to find out in Romans chapter 3, so make sure you're here in two weeks' time, that God actually forgives people for the way they've treated him. And he invites people back into a relationship with him. And then he changes people by his spirit so that they don't live like this. And all that happens through the gospel. The gospel. The good news about Jesus that we heard about last week, it really does have the power to change people. Remember what Paul said last week? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. If last week was the good news about the gospel, this week is why people need to hear it. We live in a world that has turned its back on God. This world will not even want to hear the gospel. The temptation for us will be to be ashamed of the gospel, but today's passage is showing us Don't keep quiet. Today's passage is here to give us confidence in the gospel and to be clear that this is what the world needs. And this is why the world needs to hear it. It's not going to be easy to take the gospel into a world that has rejected God. But we will. Because people need to hear it. It's their only hope. Let's pray. Father, I guess at times we um, numb ourselves to what's happening in the world. We watch the news and it's all a bit of a blur and we even watch things like this for entertainment. And yet if we're honest about the world and we see things happening closer to home... Yeah, Father, we admit that this world is full of pain and misery and we know that it's not the way that it should be and we do groan about it and we long for the new creation to come. But, Father, as much as it pains us to see this world that you've made, this morning we found out that it also pains you. Not just are you sad about it, but you are angry about the way that people reject you and replace you with other things. But Father, thank you that in your anger you don't just wipe out this whole of creation. Thank you that you don't just judge everyone with what we deserve. But thank you that you have given us a lifeline, a way back to you. And as we work our way through through the book of Romans this term, we pray that you would just... increase our conviction and confidence in the gospel, not just for our own sakes that we would love you and be thankful, but that we would be convicted of the need of the world to hear this. Father, help us not to be ashamed of the gospel, knowing that it is your power for the salvation of everyone who believes. Amen.